Well, hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tarvalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Hello, and welcome to our second part of our spoiler-free history on The Forsaken. I'm here with my friend Tracy. I'm here with my friend Amber. And this is The Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast recapping the books, uncovering fan theories, discussing the upcoming TV show on Amazon Prime, and unpacking the many intricacies of this incredible series. Today we are wrapping up our history of The Forsaken. We start with my favorite among the chosen, Lanfear, and wrap up with the spider herself, Mogideon. We also respond to a message from Wish Brother from the Weaves of the Wheel community and discuss a question I came across on Twitter posted by Forsaken Bob, asking what people thought of Wheel of Time's chances of doing as well as Game of Thrones. So stick around to the end, it's spoiler free, and uh, it's pretty fun. So without further ado, let's pick up where we left off. And then there's, like, okay, so I know she's awful, but she's also kind of my favorite Forsaken. Lanfear is just a crazy, crazy bitch, and I kind of love her for it. I think I'm, I feel the same way about Asmodian as you do about Lanfear because we get more time with them. Mm-hmm. Some of these people, we really just, they kind of just pop up and you're like, oh, that's who that person is. Mm-hmm. But some characters, some of the Forsaken, we do spend a little bit more time with and we get to know how, you know, they work. Yeah. And that, that's what makes Lanfear, I think, more interesting. Yeah. Because you get, unlike, Unlike other people, she gets a lot more backstory. Like, yeah, yeah. Because, so just to get into her a little bit. So before she becomes Lanfear, and Lanfear actually in the old tongue means daughter of the night. Um, that so before, sounds so fancy. Like I know, right? Like that's one of the things that I like about her is just like. She's got kind of a, um, I don't know, she's like this very like beautiful, mythical yeah, she does seem creature. quite real. Yeah. Like, and I mean, like, this is another spot where I'm like, how are they going to cast Lanfear? Like, she's just always described as, like, the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. So, I mean, the cast already is pretty that they yeah. have going. So, it'll be interesting to see who they, like... Cast as Lanfear? Yeah, for sure. Um, so she was known to be as powerful as a woman could be in the one power. Um, so, like, if there is a max capacity of how much you can take of the one power, Mm -hmm. she was at that highest level. It still puts her, like, as far as, like, power rankings go, I feel like the, the rankings between men and female are clearer than the rankings between, like, men and men and women and women. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even though, like, she's as powerful as a woman can be, she's still not quite as powerful as, powerful. as like, Luz Theron or Ishamayel. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So she still kind of falls underneath that capability. I think, I think the only other female Forsaken she comes close to strengthen is Semiraj. I don't remember. Is that how you say her name? I'm sure we've got the pronunciation later when we actually, like, talk yeah. about her. Um... 
So, like like we said, Lanfear is known for being incredibly beautiful. She's said to be tall with pale ivory skin, long black hair, and black eyes. Um, which, cool black mm-hmm. eyes. I love mm-hmm. that. Um, so, as far as, like, her personality goes, she's known for having this insatiable lust for power. Like... She's so regal. Yeah. Like... It's not even just that she wants power. Like, she exudes this confidence that she should have power. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's without question that that should belong to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently she was, n- like, not above betraying people that she had made allies for herself. So, like, in order to get to those places of power, like, she would do what she needed to do. She was comfortable using mm-hmm. people it seems like and she apparently had like a really strong rivalry with Ishamael which I mean I can see that I can totally yeah. see that because yeah. she's kind of like and I don't mean to like split it like women and men but like as far as the female forsaken go she's kind of like on top of everything and then Ishamael the same for the men where he's like the highest, uh, yeah. kind of, but in terms still... of power and stuff. But she, I, th- I feel like she, she would be like, it doesn't matter if he's a man or whatever. Like I should be in charge. I'm mm-hmm. the smartest. I'm the most powerful. Of you know, yeah. She ha- and she also has some very unique things that she can do that other people can't. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, she's really just like, as far as like characters if there wasn't gender involved in this i i really believe that she would have and i'm sure she felt this way like that she would be above ishamayel like she's being held back by the fact that women in this series Mm -hmm. do not channel as strongly strongly. as men do definitely nah um (laughs) and i mean in some ways that's like what helps build the rivalries among yeah. the Forsaken is that there's this, like, but I should be There's this the petty, yeah, there's this petty, yeah. like, mm-hmm. Uh, I like, I like it. Um, also, it also says here that she was extremely manipulative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I totally, yeah, she's, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? As oh. she's introduced, it, you get, you get that. You get that right away from the moment she is introduced. Mm -hmm. Like she is in control of the situation and she Mm -hmm. knows what to do and say to make the things happen that she wants to have happen. And she's slick about it. Like she's like HBIC. Like she. (laughs) I, I do. I do honestly see her as like this very regal person. Like you said, like the, you know, she. Like, she, be- all of this should belong to her. Mm-hmm. And unlike a lot of the other Forsaken who do things to kind of get what they want, she doesn't really heavily use compulsion. And so she really does just rely on who she is and how she approaches a situation mm-hmm. to get what she wants from it. Because and she it, could she could use compulsion and could. just have people give her whatever she wanted. But I feel like that would she would feel like that's beneath her. Yeah, it'd be like cheating. She wants to earn yeah. it. Yeah. And I that I think that's one of the reasons why I like her so much. <laughs> like, I just she speaks to me. 
So she, in the Age of Legends, she was a researcher at the Colum Don, which was like this massive floating university. And of course, Luce Theron plays into this because mm-hmm. the two of them had been lovers when they were young. And this is actually a place where I'm like, Lanfear, just get the fuck over it already, okay? <laughs> what is it? What is it about fucking Luce Theron? Why is everybody like, I want to be better than him. I want to be his lover. Like, like she, if for they, three, yeah. She carries a torch for him for 3,000 years. 3,000 years. Like, and, and he, that doesn't and he was even... already he was already over her, and he had, like, a wife. And a family. Ileana! Ileana! <laughs> Humming softly to himself. Ileana! Um, How, like, she, she can't get over it. She can't get it, over him. Nope. And, like... And the other thing is they were alive for hundreds of years. So like if they were if they were young, I think it says something about That would be I like was... fifteen minutes. Yeah. The relationship was like five minutes long in our time like in our time. Yeah. But she carries a torch for him for like this huge it's it's a little ridiculous. That's that's the one place where I'm like, friend, just let that go. You would be so much more <laughs> successful if you just got over this guy. Like, what is it about Luce Theron? Anyway, um so she doesn't stop this like you must love me approach even mm-hmm. after he's married and he and Luce Theron has children. Um, but it was also kind of rumor rumored that she loved his power Almost more than she loved him ah, as a person. That makes sense. That's yeah. where it comes down to. Because she, like, for Lanfear, she wants to be in control of a situation, mm-hmm. but she also seems really open to the idea of having a partner, and she sees Luce Theron as the ultimate equal. You know, mm-hmm. like if she wants to be like she wants to be the, the power couple. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I was just going to say. Like she's not going to settle for second best. She mm-hmm. wants the best. And because like she expects those things to belong to her. Mm-hmm. I, maybe that's why the torch for Luce there and lasts for three. That is a years. great analysis. Thank you. I still say she should let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Just, just give your new guy an Angriel. It'll be fine. Right? You can, you can even that shit out. You guys make new shit. It's fine. Um, and one of the things that I think just adds to her feeling kind of like the spurned woman is that even though she was powerful and, like, she was apparently reputable for her research skills and what she did, she mm-hmm. never attained that third name. And that was a big deal. She got and- slighted. Yeah, she was like, I'm not real happy that that didn't happen for me, so fuck you guys. Mm-hmm. Off, off to the dark when I go. Um, but it's Lanfear who is one of the main reasons why the boar happened in the first place. Yes, yes. Yep. Like, it's okay, her tell us, col- tell us, yeah. Tracy. Give us the, give I got us the tea. Tell us all about the boar. Tell us all about Lanfear because I skimmed over this, but I kind of wanted to wait just so I could hear it. So it's like story time <laughs> for me. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully, hopefully I do all right. So she and a colleague discover this power source that seems to be outside the pattern. And this is where they realize that it can be tapped by both men and, w- and women equally. 
Um, so they think this is a good thing that this is going to allow people to kind of be able to be more effective as channelers and what they can mm-hmm. get out of it. Um, but in this, <laughs> in this attempt, this new power source is actually attached to the true power, which we talked about earlier. The true power from the dark one. Yeah, it's the essence of the dark one. So unwittingly, <laughs> oh no. So unwittingly, unwittingly, these morons drilled a hole straight into the Dark One's prison, weakening it and allowing him to touch the world. Bad stuff. Bad stuff. So, like, Oops. seriously, if there's someone who's, like, tripped the fucking apocalypse, it's Lanfear being like, hey, what's this thing? Should Ooh, we, what's this Should power? we bore a metaphysical hole into this thing <laughs> that will lead to this unknown source of power? Oops. I think we should. That's so unfortunate. I mean, just think they could have had their peaceful utopian society, but nope. Right? Nope. That lust for power. She was just like, I'm going after that. And I I mean, if they Tale as old as time. (laughs) I mean, if they could all tap into the same power source in the same way, maybe that also would have, like, evened the playing field on, like, how much... Because, like, Lanfear is just regarded as being such a small amount under a man because she can only channel as much as a woman can. So if she was able to get to that power source, then she would be on an equal footing. Yeah, fuck those guys. Okay, I'd be way tempted to dig for that too. Yes. (laughs) So once again, we're left in this situation where it's like, eh, I could get behind that maybe. Mm -hmm. You know, she didn't know. She had no idea that that's what was going to happen. Um, but, of course, this, like, this dig leads to the collapse, which leads to the breaking of the world. So, like, she's she's the switch. She flips everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sometime during this collapse that Lanfear decides to pledge her soul to the Dark One. She is supposedly the first Aes Sedai to betray humanity, which is interesting because, like, if she's the first one, why isn't she betrayer slash destroyer slash whatever of hope? But okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is the only Forsaken who gives herself her name, which is very Lanfear like. Yes. You know, of course she's she has herself. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> I am the fucking daughter of the night. That's what I am. Deal. Deal, Deal. with it. <laughs> I, you think you're going to give me a name? Fuck you. I'm naming myself. You all are <laughs> not so, good enough. That's so Lanfear. I love it. So she, it said that she did this as a way to gain power and reclaim Luce Theron. Because there's nothing like saying I really want you, like pledging your soul to the ultimate evil. <laughs> <laughs> nothing says I love you. <laughs> it's better than a goddamn Hallmark card. <laughs> I was just going to say it reminds me of one of those like K's jewelry. <laughs> advertisements it's like say you love say you love someone with a diamond or whatever instead it's a pledge of your soul to to the dark one pure evil (laughs) don't you love me yet i'm i am bad news straight down to my bones you love me oh so funny anyway like she is described as being ruthless and driven and even though she is like smart and manipulative and powerful and like Mm -hmm. nothing can get in my way she's constantly passed over for like ishamayel in particular 
And I think like I think maybe that keeps does that keep her drive like going? Maybe. Like she's just like, I'm not the best yet. Why aren't I the best yet? How do mm-hmm. I become the best? Like that's I relate to that, Lanfear. Uh anyway. I think for she's like every woman that's been passed over for like yeah. becoming like the boss by a man yeah. or something, like eternally spurned. Yep. I mean, I had that happen to me in one of the jobs that I had where like I really wanted to do what I was the assistant to the like I was an assistant to a um an investment manager and like I saw what he did and I was like I could I could do this. Like this is really interesting. How do I do this? And when I asked him, he was like, Well, you know, we don't really want to promote you to that and basically it was like you're a girl and all of our guys are guys so probably not so that's what makes Lanfear relatable I yeah. feel like because I I mean if you're a woman I'm sure at one point in time you've kind of been spurned or passed over because you're a girl yeah so it happens I, I but I think that's another reason why I just like like Lanfear I think she's my favorite of the Forsaken if you can have a favorite Forsaken she's definitely mine she's yours um, mine's yeah. coming up oh yeah yeah is it is it our next one N- uh, hell no, it, no. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not semi-rog well, think- semi-rog is <laughs> not my favorite <laughs> because she is oh lord okay yeah because i think that wraps up land fear she gets like sealed into the bore for three thousand years and that's that's where she ends off before she comes back into the series later on. It says in a dreamless sleep that lasted 3,000 years. That's such like a like grim story, it Brothers really Grimm story, like sleeping uh, or Snow White mm-hmm. with the white skin and the black hair. Exactly. Yeah. Dreamless sleep for 3,000 years. She's just waiting for Luz Theron to come kiss, kiss her, her. And her up. Yeah. <laughs> come get just, me. Yeah. So next we have Semirog. Oh mm-hmm. Lord, this woman. Oof. Um, yeah. Namine. <laughs> Damander Bone. AKA the Lady of Pain. <laughs> so if that doesn't tell you enough about her, we can okay, keep going. Is that, is that actually like something that's been like given as a name for her, or are we just like throwing that in as goofiness? No, I did not make that up. <laughs> It's literally in there. I swear. I swear. No, I love it. I love it. Okay. Okay, so, of course, out of the women, she's the second strongest, so she would be right under Lanfear. Mm -hmm. She's described as being slender and very tall for a woman. She's roughly 6'1". That is tall. tall. So that's 185-ish centimeters for all of our listeners that aren't American. <laughs> <laughs> that's so nice of you. Yeah. I'm trying to be multi-culty here. <laughs> um, so, I mean, if you can, like, yeah, women that are that tall make a, they, they've got a look, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They turn heads. So she was extremely imposing with her height, mm-hmm. and she had, like, very very dark skin like super dark skin black eyes short wavy hair and she always wears black so think about this extremely tall woman all decked out in black super dark skin dark eyes she's scary right like (laughs) and this is just how she looks like 
And it yeah. is very important, readers, please remember that she's super tall because this is important for the books. <laughs> when you get introduced to her, it'll make sense. But that's kind of like a little um, hint of something hint. to come. Hint, hint, yeah. hint. But before she turned to the Dark One, she was a very powerful healer. She was actually yeah. the most gifted healer in the Age of Legend. So it sounds like a really good thing, but actually she had completely ulterior motives. She was basically inflicting pain on people while she was healing them. Yeah. So as she's healing them, she would she would actually be hurting them, but they were so grateful to be alive, they wouldn't really complain. They're like that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, she I'm was breathing. A- Yeah, she was a complete sadist. Mm -hmm. Um, She would also deem some people not worthy of saving. So if, like, someone had very bad injuries and she didn't really feel that she wanted to take, you know, I guess, like, the effort to heal someone that was very sick, she would just, I don't know, kill them. I guess, like, pretend to be healing them and just be like, oh, couldn't do it. They died. Sorry. (laughs) Give her my best try. Yeah, and then when the Hall found out that she was actually, like, torturing people in the guise of healing them, they were like, uh-oh, so um, <laughs> we're going to bound you as a criminal with the Oath Rod. And this is the Hall of Servants, which we had talked about earlier. Yep. And bonding someone with the Oath Rod was – it's very similar to when the Aes Sedai's, uh swear on the Oath Rod – so mm-hmm. you basically have to say like I would never I'll never do this again and you swear on the oath rod and then it's almost like compulsion where if you s- swear on it you would never be able to go against what you swear on. So if you okay. say I won't if I won't torture again, you physically can't torture again. Okay. Wow. And this was used on violent criminals or people suffering from madness. So it's I mean It's used basically instead of a death penalty. So she was given the choice, you know, be bound by the oath rod or be stilled. Mm, Would take away your power. And she was like, nah, I think I want a third option. (laughs) So she she swears to the shadow instead. Mm -hmm. And um, this was why she was called the Lady of Pain because she was a torturer. She was the first to... Um, she was the first of the Forsaken to actually join. Mm-hmm. So she was kind of just, um, she was very sadistic. Um, she was she was so sadistic and scary that, like, if she had prisoners, they would chew through their own wrists just mm-hmm. to avoid being tortured by her. So they would commit suicide versus having to be you know, possibly tortured by her. And I mean, can you think of what it would take for somebody to chew through their own wrist? That's psych. That's, I mean, she's I mean, so scary. In my opinion, she's the worst of all of the Forsaken. Mm-hmm. Her, like she, she, even the other Forsaken are scared of her. Yeah. Like they would rather, I'm sure they would rather die than have to be tortured by her. By her. She's crazy. Mm-hmm. But she, I think, I think what makes her so scary is that, like in our world, we do have like serial killer, serial killers, and you know people that 
actually just do these really sadistic things. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, she's someone that is like a, um, like a scary tale that you would hear. Like she, it, she's just so evil and scary that it almost doesn't seem. I don't know. It almost doesn't seem real, but yeah, we have yeah. people. She's, you know, she's like someone. Something that you would tell like her story to scare someone. It's so mm-hmm. cruel. And she would basically, um, she, she had basically found out this new method of turning people to the dark one, to the shadow. And this comes up later in the book and it's very important. Mm-hmm. But if you could get 13 Dreadlords and 13 Murdral together, you could turn any person to the Dark One against their own will. And mm-hmm. even though she figured out how to do this, she preferred to torture someone to the mm-hmm. point that they just swore to the Dark One. Yeah. And that's how crazy she was. And I that's why it, she's called the Lady of Pain. Yeah, I think there was something in the the wiki article that said that like once she had turned someone, if they like ever like if she was ever around them again, they would basically like just whimper and crawl on their hands and knees because like she had broken them that hard. You know? Yeah, like, she's she's completely... it stuck. It wasn't even something that like they just did to get out of the experience of being tortured. She actually broke them to the point where like they were like an animal committed yeah it like just she would take the blood out of bodies and then put like replace it with other liquids just to see how long that person could live like she was crazy yeah so she definitely like it makes sense that she's off to like hang out with you know the dark one yeah semirag was one of those that was completely evil Mm -hmm. yeah um and then it's Masana. Yeah, Masana. Previously known as Cyane Tarsand. Um, she's kind of, like, she's one of those one that's kind of, like, a meh for me. Um, <laughs> a meh. Yeah, like, she does. She was a teacher during Nothing the Nothing really stands out. No, like, even, even throughout, like, the series, she's kind of, like, you're like, oh, yeah, and her, too. Because I always forget about her. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. If I, if oh, I see, right? like, illustrations of the Forsaken, I can pick most of them out. But Masana mm-hmm. would be one where I'd have a difficulty. Like, oh. Yeah. She's just like, eh. I mean, I think they, like, the description of her, like, says something about how she has, like, watery blue eyes. And I'm just not sure exactly what that means, but the mental image makes me think, like. I think it's supposed to mean like is it supposed to mean like gray eyes or something like watery? I don't know. Yeah, I I'm just like I don't know. I didn't write down her description because you know whatever. She's just like compared to the other Forsaken because you have like is Semiraj also known for being like really pretty or is she like Semirag? Well, she's she's just complete. Semirag is completely imposing because she's so oh, tall. She's so tall. Okay. And she's yeah. got like these super dark black eyes and dark, mm-hmm. you know, skin. So, so she's she stands, very statuesque. She, yeah, and she definitely stands out. Mm-hmm. Um, so Masana is like not tall. She's pretty rather than beautiful. She's the plain Jane of the Forsaken Ladies. She has few female rivals when it comes to channeling. Um, 
She was practical to a fault and was only interested in real power, which she felt was only attainable from the Dark One. And I mean, in a way, she's actually really right. Because if the Dark One mm. is, like, the creator slash distributor of the, um, the true power, which apparently is, like, you know, the shit, then getting access to the Dark One would potentially give her access to that power source as well. So that kind of makes sense. Um... But the yeah. thing about she yeah. is her is it oh yeah so the thing that's horrifying about Masana is what she did to children oh so yes here we go yeah like she set up schools to teach about the glories of the dark one mm-hmm. and like brainwashed these children to the point that like they would go out in public and kind of, like, corral people that were doing things that Masana felt shouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of, like, how to how to explain it. Um, I have I'm a just... – I think I have a decent Do explanation. It. Please. Um, and this is – okay, I think out of – out of the majority of the Forsaken, I think Masana and Semirog are possibly the most terrifying mm-hmm. because of what you're saying with Masana. Um, she she captured entire regions and then took their children and put them into like indoctrination schools. Yes, to spy on their parents to see to make sure if they they were like pledged to the Dark One, the mm-hmm. Shadow. And on top of that, she basically made like child armies Mm -hmm. and she would have these kids like beat people Mm -hmm. like senseless if they did not you know adhere to basically like the rules and you know like joining the shadow but yeah what makes masana so creepy is this is just straight out of nazi germany this was the hitler youth Mm-hmm. They did the exact same thing. They would yep. put these kids into like indoctrination schools basically and they would turn on their own parents. Yep. And just, you know, spying on each other. And that's so scary. And that's mm-hmm. the same thing with Semirog. She's basically the Joseph yeah, Mengele of the Wheel of Time. Mm-hmm. She was basically doing these, she was torturing people, but under the guise of, like, being a doctor and a healer. Mm-hmm. So, like... Masana? Yeah, Masana. Mm. Or Semirog. 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 Yeah, that's right. But, like, Mangala was just, like, torturing people under the guise of, like, genetic study. Mm-hmm. He did some of the most cruel things ever written down, like, in our history books. Like, if you could think of the most evil person in our history... It would be Mangala, and that's like Semirog. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I think that's something that makes these two particularly evil and scary is because we can see that in our own history, and we've actually seen what you know. We've actually seen this happen in real life. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's a really good point because, like, it it's says freaky. Here, it is. Um, but Masana and Semirog scare the shit out of me. They sound pretty awful. Uh, so she had children from large mobs hunt down people from institutions of higher learning. Yeah. And that just like... It's the Hitler youth. 
It is. It absolutely is. Um, during the second half of the War of Power, she used children to carry out executions, at times forming courts entirely of children. Um, That's so scary. It's like I know, right? Yeah, and like because of this influence that she had over these children, they became known as Masana's children. Um, and apparently, like, even as, like, the war went on and the children became adults, they became, like, this menace on society still. Like, they still held to the things that Masana had trained them to do. So, like, they went from Hitler Youth to, like, all the way up to the SS, you know? Yeah. Like, they just kept going. Um, and, like, they believed what they believed totally and completely because of the mm-hmm. way that she just, like, got them when they were young. So, yeah, she's a... <laughs> and I think what makes it particularly, like, scary is when you're thinking about, like, the innocence of children. Yes. That's what makes it so, like, uh, it, 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 it hurts deep. Like, it cuts deep. And I just wonder if, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm sure Robert Jordan had, you know, he was in the military. He, I'm sure he knew about stories like these. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, was trying comes... to think of, you know, wh- what could be the most evil thing someone mm-hmm. could do. Where we have some, like, Asmodian where he's kind of like, oh, I just want to be really great at music, you know? <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. But then you have people like, people like this that are included into The Forsaken where it's like, that's as evil as evil gets. Like, the, mm-hmm. you can't really top that, can Mm-mm. you? I don't think so. Like... Corrupting children like that, like that just no. It's off. You've like taken that. away. You've taken away their innocence, and that's particularly mm-hmm. its own evil. And that is another like in our current time reflection too, because there are children armies. Like mm-hmm. it, it still happens. To it this still day. happens. Yeah. So it's not like it's it's so far fetched that you can't see it happening. It's just mm-hmm. like especially in this, just the extensiveness of it. It seems like it was something that really was, like, this terrifying force yes. that... And, I mean, if they could travel and use portal stones and get, like, wherever they wanted to whenever they needed to, like, you would never know when one of these groups would show up. Like Right, right. They could already be in your village, and you wouldn't know. Like, you wouldn't even know. Like, she's created this just, like, blind force for the Dark One that just mm-hmm. does whatever it feels it needs to do that's been influenced by Madame Crazy. Yeah. Made-up name, not actually name, like, Lady Pain <laughs> for Samarag. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that is Masana. Jeez, yeah. that's a lot to unpack. Let's right? move on to someone that's a little less, um, <laughs> I don't know. Rindal? She's not I, as awful. She's not as awful. Uh, she does get the three names. So she was Camarille Meridim Nindar. Um, Someone posted on Twitter, like, a picture of Christina Aguilera, like, in her busty days. Yeah. And they were like... Tell me if I'm right or am I right? Is this Grendel or what? And now every time I think of Grendel, all I can see is Christina Aguilera with like her like tight um, <laughs> like corset on. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good. I like it. From like Lady Marmalade era, Christina Aguilera. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I think of Grendel. 
that yeah and i mean so she's basically a bombshell yes like she's beautiful but again like because this is just the way the forsaken are lanfear is so pretty that if grindal and lanfear are in the same room like you'd she's be just like thought of you'd be like, like oh grindal looks lumpy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, which, it doesn't seem to bother her. Like, for Gondal, she's just like, eh. Whatever. Like, she's like, I'm I'm hot. It's cool. I don't, I don't mind Gondal. I really no, don't. I really don't. I mean, she's awful, um, but, she, you know, she's not making child armies and torturing. Eh, kind of. True. But yeah. She's not um, as evil, I guess. I don't know. Is she the, is she the one who, like... Uses she, compulsion. She to was like, obsessed with compulsion. Yeah, and so like she would, like she would, kidnap people who, of like high station who are really beautiful. Yes, and she use was, them yes. as like her personal <laughs> entertainment. Yes, like, exactly. She had a okay before the um before she turned to the shadow. She was a like psychologist, I guess. Mm-hmm. And she had this, like, she was very firmly believed in everything being, like, simplistic, like, simple mm-hmm. living. Absolutely. She was, and, like, like, her standards were so high she that, was, like, like normcore. <laughs> <laughs> but other people felt like they couldn't attain her level of this, like, like, this super aesthetic lifestyle. Yes. And so, like, she sounds like a total drag. Truthfully. Right, right. Like, and then she one day was like, you know what? I'm done with that. And then she yeah. swears to the shadow and then everything is like excessive luxury and materialistic. Yeah. And like you had said, she be, she becomes like she really excels in compulsion. So mm-hmm. just not compulsing like normal people. She wants the prettiest, most influential people that she can find as, like, her staff of helpers, I guess. I think she even calls yeah. them her pets or something. Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, she, she, like, she, ha- she has this whole posse of, like, beautiful people, like <laughs> an entourage. And she makes them do things like form sculptures out of their bodies and, like, <laughs> play music for her or, like <laughs> – just kneel there holding a tray with wine for her. Like, these are people who should be in the courts of the royalty, like, upper echelons. And instead, she's, like, blasted their mind. Yeah, like, they do nothing but completely adore her. Yes. What does that say about her? Oh, Grendel. Uh, and okay, so there's like a big flip though from that to what how Lanfear does things. So I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure Lanfear could get a lot of people to do the exact same things that Grendel gets people to but do. But she's not as into compulsion. Yeah, like she wouldn't blast their mind into oblivion and like make yes. them nothing but like a robot of Yes. Because what's the point? If someone actually doesn't really have a choice to do it, then Right? It just, I don't know. It's It loses its flair. It does. Grindel, you're weird. <laughs> yeah. And this was, you know, I think it was about 10 years after they drilled into the boar. That's mm-hmm. when she, like, changed her entire persona. So she yeah. went from, like, this very, like, tight-laced kind of 
anal retentive person where everything has to be a certain way to like only the finest for me. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I we don't really know we don't really know why like why the switch was flipped. Yeah, but but it man, was. she she went for it like mm-hmm. wholehearted, no holding back. Just off she goes with this. Yes. Um, I feel like there was something else about her, but I don't remember what it was. Nah, that's totally fine. Um, okay, so Mogidian. Okay. Right? She's my favorite of the ladies. I can get that. And I think it's yeah. just because she's like, she reminds me of this like cute little goth girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but Mogidian is, <laughs> her other name was Lilin Moiral. Mm-hmm. And, like, how nerdy is this? She was an investment advisor. I love this because that's what I wanted to be. I was like, aw, I'm kidding. We could have talked stocks and shit. It would have been so much fun. How's the the rate of gold these days? What's the price of Queen DR at the moment? (laughs) And I I love what I love about Mogidian is that she was given the name Mogidian because in the old tongue, Mogidian was a type of, like, spider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even though she's called the spider, I almost feel like she's more of a cockroach. She's just, like, indestructible. <laughs> she hot. You know what I mean? Like, if someone turns on the light, they, like, scamper away and hide, mm-hmm. and that's Mogidian. Yeah. But there's a quote about her, and it's, she hides and takes no risks. She attacks only when she sees weakness and moves only in the shadows. If she fears defeat, she will run. She is not the one to fight to the last, even when doing so has the chance of victory. A chance is not good enough for Mogidian. So she she's just like one of these, like, she's always in the background, like, I don't know, like making plans and kind of conniving, but mm-hmm. she's never really putting herself in the line of danger. Which well, uh, I want to really by something doing I want to say, but it spoils something. <laughs> but by doing that, she kind of she's negates a survivor. Her. She is, but she isn't someone who's looking to get to the top through like manipulation. Yes. Like, like, she's willing to kind of let everyone else destroy themselves first, yes. and then she'll wait till they're all, they're all done she's, with that yeah, shit, and she'll just be able to slide to the that's top. That's why and be I like, think she's a cockroach, because think of, like, after the apocalypse, everything has fallen, she'd be the one, like, standing on top of the rubble. Like, look at you, yep. morons. <laughs> I win. Yes. Yeah. And, um... Oh, yeah, um, and she's a, she is a major... Uh, uh, Teleron Riyadh user. Yeah. Like, so Lanfear. Yes. Lanfear yep, was so. Lanfear excelled in Teleron Riyadh or the dream world, I guess. Mm-hmm. But Mogidian was like top. Yeah. And yeah. she and the thing was that she was so sneaky about it. So like you never really, you never really see her coming, and that's yeah. what makes her so dangerous. Hmm. Um. She could do things, like, far beyond what Lanfear could in Teleron Riyad. Yeah. And um, a- another thing about Mogidian, like, just how she looks like. Again, like, dark hair, dark eyes, and they said she's handsome. Handsome, yeah. 
Yeah, and she's also the weakest of the Forsaken. But mm-hmm. this comes back to, um, like, the ranking system. She excels in her adaptability. Like, she's super mm-hmm. slippery and, like, a really good spy. So she's constantly, like, using disguises. And she's always really cautious and non-confrontational. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like we had said, like, all of these people have major, like, could have major targets painted at them, but Mogidian kind of is, like, free to, like, back out whenever there's a problem, mm-hmm. and she's kind of always in the shadow waiting for her chance to strike. So to jump out, yeah. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, like, I like her because she's not the most powerful, she's not the most, like, trained, like, like, with, like, the Blade Masters or something. She's not one, like, to be on the battlefield. hmm But I think I like her because even though she sucks, she's one of the Forsaken. <laughs> <laughs> she is still, like, you know, she, 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 you see her, like, pretty early on in the books. So you mm-hmm. get more, um, you get more moments with her. And I don't know. I kind of feel like... <laughs> At some points when she shows up, I was terrified of her. And I was just thinking like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What are they doing? Mm -hmm. Why? Why are they allowing her to be around? Like, what the hell? But at the same time, if it weren't for her, things would have totally – the whole scenario of the story would have changed. Mm -hmm. So as weak as she is, she actually – her story, I think – has the most impact on our main characters, possibly. And that's why I like her. (laughs) Yeah. And in fact, I would think the only one that really does in a really similar way is Lanfear. Mm -hmm. And for Lanfear, it's her obsession with Luz Theron that, like, pushes her more into a place where we see her more often, I think. Yeah. Um, But Mogideon definitely, like, hides... And hides well and manipulates in her own way. And I don't I don't think she really uses compulsion either. Like she, she does, does a little bit. Yeah, we see it once or twice, maybe. Yeah. But But she does it in a way that like you almost expect someone in her position to use yeah. it. And in the way that she approaches how she gets information and stuff, like it still keeps her kind of hidden. Yeah. The way that she ends up using compulsion on people. So like, for that, I I get why she's doing it. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's not, you know, like I said, she's not the most powerful, but Mogidian, you know, she's the spider. I yeah. Don't know. Yeah. Um, and that is, that's the last one. I think that's one. all of them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. We got all the way through them. Yeah. And I we think, did. like, I think. For me, like, after going through all of them, the theme is power and envy over everything else. Like, we have, like, just a few exceptions that are really spectacularly awful and that you absolutely mm-hmm. see being the kind of person that's like, yeah, I want to I wanna hook up with the ultimate evil right, force. Right, right. And, but and then you have others that are... They just feel slighted by the world yeah. that they live in, and, so and I think like, that would almost—I think that would almost go along with power because it's almost like social status. Yeah, like they want to be the best at what 
they can do or, you know, so it's, yep. yeah, definitely power, envy, social status, and then some of them are just batshit evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and then- Luz Theron is the one trying to take them all on. Like, right. These odds them. seem. Poor guy. Can that you imagine is- having to go up against these tw- 13 crazies? No. And I mean, they all do it in such different ways and approach it in different ways. And like, he has to always be on the lookout for this group of people. And that just seems like really harsh odds. And of course, like the whole power thing, like they're all so similar in power that like, it's not even like he has a huge advantage where he can just crush them because he fucking feels like it. Like, right, right. They he, can all fight equally against him. So Right. You have 13 people up against you, and some of them are almost as, like, equally as powerful as you. So, shit. <laughs> so, the image that just comes to mind that, like, totally... This is so dumb. Uh, <laughs> Harry Potter <laughs> and the Goblet of Fire where they're like... Voldemort is standing up against Harry and like their wands are like hitting each other and they're just like balanced right in between the mm-hmm. middle there like that's what comes to mind when I think about like these powers coming up against each other as they just hit a a wall yes like, you, you can't go past this wall because we're just barely not the same strength and that just feels really unfair like yes there's no advantage and everything lands on the dragon reborn or the right. dragon. And so that's Sorry. why, like, I mean, when I was reading, I was thinking, okay, like we have these 13 forsaken and the dark one, and then we have the dragon reborn. So is this going to be like end game, like where it's just one giant battle Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like Helm's Deep, is it going to be like one big, huge, <laughs> like army versus another army where they just like run and smash up against each other? Mm-hmm. Or is it going to be like calculated strikes from, you know, here and here and here? And that mm-hmm. is one of the things about the books that I am, I'm, I just adore it. Like, it's one of my favorite things is how these battles are written. And yeah. As much as I, like, I mean, in Lord of Chaos, I'm, I've am i said it a million times, but Dumai's Wells is, in my opinion, the most insane, well-written battle sequence of all time, possibly. I agree. And actually, like, I want to come back and talk about that again a little later because we've got something from Twitter that I wanted to talk about, too, that Yay. kind of ties into that. Um but yes, I agree with you completely on the the battle scenes and how they're written and like and that's just I mean and you think you've got 13 of these forsaken. So like how much damage can these guys really do? And there's like endless possibilities yeah, really cuz they're super powerful. Um So yeah. Are we missing anything on the forsaken? Um, we do have a question from, okay. from Instagram and this is from Wish Brother. He's actually a part of the Weaves of the Wheel community. So, hey, Wish Brother. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your question. Um, and as he wrote, and yes, the Forsaken, I have so many questions. 
uh, and it's the one group I haven't dived into that deep. So questions like how do you become a Forsaken and why? Can anyone with a dedicated love for the Dark One (laughs) become one? Also, the levels of the Forsaken are very interesting. Lanfear, i.e. being only the ninth strongest, shocked me a bit. And as far as Lanfear goes, like, I would, yeah, it is shocking. But I guess it's just because women channelers aren't as strong as male channelers, so she gets, like, bumped down to the ninth but I don't know because she's really strong in other things so yeah it is it kind of shocking your, your rating scale I mean if you're looking just at like their strength and the power mm-hmm. then she comes in at ninth but if you like judge them on their other attributes as well yes. I think it like changes where she ends up at least it does right. for me personally like and even not even like talking about like her her channeling powers but just mm-hmm. for her like insight and the way that she is able to like manipulate and do things I think that that puts her like at the top she just falls lower on the scale of things because she's not as strong as the male channelers. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, but is that's unfortunate. what makes I think like you like you had pointed out, I really think that's what makes her so unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's why she it's why she dug that hole. You know? Exactly. She was like, this is this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like because what I really thought was interesting, the only character that gets this description is her, where it, like, the th- the Wheel of Time wiki page says that she could channel as much as a woman was able to channel. And it's not like... That's like... They don't... They don't like say she made that this is the, the number. Yeah, like she knows she can't go any higher than that. There is a literal ceiling over her saying this is as far as you could go. But if you were a man, then you would have would... you would be at the top of that too. And like being someone who is a researcher who then finds this power source that would potentially put her on the same footing. And I mean, we know she's a little obsessed with power with, like, how she feels about Luce Theron and those things. And yes. she's dedicated as fuck to what she decides that she wants to do. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, she's going to dig in for this power source and, like, Keep. try to get to the top. Yeah. And so, I don't – she's she's definitely my number one forsaken. <laughs> like, it's, like, if I were going to rank them, that's where she would go for me, for sure. And that's why, like uh... – Mo Gideon, because she's like queen of the ashes. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it's not like she's lazy or something, but she's kind of no. just like, y'all mm. need to chill. I'm just going to stand over here on the side and let you guys. And then, okay, I'm sorry. I'm going back to our question. But yeah, the other it. point was, um, like, how do you become a Forsaken and why? Mm-hmm. And I mean, honestly, it's just if you're, if you're the most skilled channelers of this time, mm-hmm. you basically are like, hey, Dark One, can I get in on this? And then, you know, you're one of the Forsaken. So I don't think there were that many people who are so skilled as, you know, like Ishamayel and Samael. But mm-hmm. when you had such a strong power and you turned to the dark side, then you had major influence. So. Yeah. 
I'm sure it was just kind of like at the time, like the most well-respected and strongest people of, you know, this time when they turned to the dark, they kind of like got their own nicknames and Mm -hmm. they were the forsaken or the chosen or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And oh, actually, that was what what I wanted to say. So like in here where it says, can anybody with a dedicated love for the dark one become one? Um, I think the answer is definitely yes. Like, in my opinion, I say yes to that. Um, Yeah, I just think you have to be a really strong channeler. Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense that they would become the top of the forces for the Dark One because they were already the top of the forces. Yes, for the light. side of the light. Yes. So it was basically just being like, like a lateral move. Yeah. Like, from this point to this point. And, like... I feel as though some of them have, like, a dedicated love to the Dark One because of what he promises them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're like, yes, I want immortality. Yes, I want to be powerful. Yes, I want to rule over other people. And because they were the best of the best at what they did, Mm -hmm. they were able to just be like, and now I do that for you, which turns into more for me. Yes. And so, like, and the thing that I think is – like good to recognize when talking about the forsaken is that they don't necessarily team up together right like, right they behave as their own entities in a lot of ways and they're sometimes also always... sometimes they'll make like a buddy system where the two yeah. of them kind of get together but it's not it doesn't and really they, happen that much they're willing to double cross the people that they've made alliances with like that's one of the things that's said about land fear is like she is willing to be like, you know what? You helped me, but now what helps me is, like, killing you. So, sorry, thanks. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> it was nice playing. Um, yeah, so and so really many of like, them want that nameless position. Yeah, so. so then they're fighting against each other. So even though, like, Luce Theron is, like, the dragon and the person mm-hmm. that they're against because he's this physical re- representation of the light, mm-hmm. like... Even though he's there and they're going up against him, they're also all going against each other, which kind of gives him a break in a little way. Like, can you imagine if they, like, all, like, bound up together and we're like, all right, guys. <laughs> no. You do this thing. You do that thing. We're going to, like, do this together. If, they were, if like, they were actually to work together instead of, like, having this infighting, they would have won hands down, like, first Right. Day. Like, but that's what makes them like such stoogy, like stoogy cartoon villains. Is they're all like, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're out for themselves. Yeah, if they like, were, if they would have just had that, you know, ability to work together, then pff, mm-hmm. the book would have been like ten books shorter. <laughs> I don't mind the length, though. No, I like me neither. I have to. Okay, I have to ask you something, Tracy. Oh, oh, yeah. Do you feel like they're, do you feel like it's biblical? Like, do you get like a biblical feel? Yes, I do. I do. Uh, Because you have like almost, it's already in the books, like the forces of light versus dark. Like that's just how we see many religions and in particularly like biblically speaking, there's an apocalypse. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what revelations. You... Yeah, <laughs> like and we're going like... Old Testament here, guys. <laughs> yes, I mean to have there be this 
dark one who is sealed away in this mm-hmm. like beyond the earthly realm location like and that they like dug into the ground like isn't hell supposed to be like beneath us exactly yeah no i actually i saw that in our notes and i thought that was such a good question how do you feel about it um i get like a really big like fallen angels vibe like yes i mean like i'm not so much sure about islam but i know in like judeo-christianity there's this theme of like fallen angels where mm-hmm. they were you know on the side of the light but something happens and then they kind of like switch teams and fight yeah. for you know satan or the dark or whatever and um Like, I also really get this feel that before, like, they drilled into the bore, it was this peaceful utopian society. So it has Mm -hmm. this real, like, Adam and Eve feel where, like, everything was, like, happy and good and there was no, like, suffering and it was all enlightenment. And then they had this, you know, quest for power or knowledge and then, oops, (laughs) shit got fucked up. Oh, my God. Yeah. But um, there's also, like, I kind of feel like the Dragon Reborn has a lot of, like, imagery taken from, like, Jesus. Yeah. Like, he was born to, like, an unwedded maiden. So, like, basically fatherless, kind of. Mm -hmm. And um, the whole, like, crown of swords versus, like, Jesus had a crown of thorns. Yeah. And, um... Well, and I think in the even... prophecies, there's the wound in the side, which yeah. is like where Jesus was speared, basically. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, I'm sure I, I, I don't know if Robert Jordan was um, a Christian. I, I would I mean, I'm guessing possibly just because of a lot of this imagery and especially mm-hmm. in the Carithion cycle, the prophecies of the dragon, we get mm-hmm. so many of these writings where I'm like, ooh, that sounds totally, like, pulled from the Bible. Yeah. Huh. But that's just, I mean, I don't know. It's something to think about, really. And then, I mean, too, like, some of the names from... Yes. Some of the names from the Forsaken are pulled out of, like... Judeo-Christian... Yeah, like uh, Bilal yeah. means the seven princes of hell or like a yep. wicked person in Hebrew. So mm-hmm. there's so many like of these little instances where I'm like, ooh, he like took that from our, you know, our own religions and culture and kind of just like plopped it down, mm-hmm. which I, I appreciate it because it makes it relatable. Mm-hmm. And um, also it's... Um, really interesting with the series because it, it doesn't feel like you're getting like beaten over the he- over the head with like religion at any point no. in time so it, it's really interesting how he would pull things out of religion but put it in a way to make it less about religion and more about like just telling a story i guess mm-hmm. well and defining the morality yeah. of the world that you're in and mm-hmm. like clearly clearly define the layers of good and evil and yes. i mean that's 
that's something we live with every single day. And so it's something that to have it brought in like that just feels, it does feel biblical and in a lot of ways religious to be like, you have this force for good and this force for bad and one side fights over yes. what those things are defined as. Like it can um, be like a clean cut line. Yeah. But. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I thought that was such a good question. At the, yeah. sa- at the same time, um, like you had said earlier, like a lot of it is just about power. Mm-hmm. And I think that especially today, like that's so it, – it's just really how things go. Like it, mm-hmm. it's not about religion. It's almost about like class or, you know, mm-hmm. social status or, you know, things like that. So I think that's – I think that's what makes me really uh, love it is that it's not feeling like you're being beaten over the head with like – something that feels like so religious or something but it's just like like you said about morality mm-hmm. it gives a it gives a structure i like it yeah i like that. i do too i could live without the children of the light <laughs> i kind of hate them like anytime there's sorry, a sorry dane bornhold <laughs> yeah really sorry really Ch- child buyer might be my this guy You've got a, you've got a tweet up here. Do you want to read it? I do. I actually really like. I really want to get into this, and then I think we're close to the end. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> this has been a really long episode. Um, okay, so this was on Twitter. It's uh, Forsaken Bob. Uh, <laughs> I love that name, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? Um, and actually, I think. I'm pretty sure he and I have been talking about, like, books and history stuff and, like, our favorite, like, history documentaries and whatever. So, like, Ooh, okay. like I'm like, hey, let's – yay, we're chatting. This is wonderful. Anyway, so this was his tweet. It, he says, much as I love uh, Wheel of Time, and I do a lot, so do I, will the TV show do as well as GOT? Being pessimistic, I'm not so sure. GOT seemed to attract non-fantasy peeps with the promise of sex, nudity, and violence, which isn't really the Jordan way, is it? Thoughts at Twitter of time, folks. And I mean... Can I just... I am going to jump in and just say something like... Do it. Spur of the moment. But I think the Wheel of Time has like this element of like horror that is something that Game of Thrones was missing. So yeah, there's a lot of violence, sex, and nudity, but Wheel of Time has this very... has some very, very dark scary things and the creatures yes. in wheel of time hands down are the way Madral. scarier than your uh you know way scarier walkers yeah like i'm sorry but okay like and because there's only like one night walker mm-hmm. you know and but with, yeah. with wheel of time you have Madral, trollocs jacar and the then Golem. not not and on top of that you have all of these like crazy like creatures that the Shan Chen own. You've got yeah. like these issues of slavery. You've got mm-hmm. which was also in Game of Thrones, but it, they left <laughs> they left that plot line <laughs> completely by the wayside and never really finished it. So I don't know. Right. But um there's these creatures that are just like they're 
terrifying. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the Forsaken, who Mm -hmm. some of them are the most evil things you could possibly think of way more evil than anything in Game of Thrones. Like, Mm -hmm. we don't have a Hitler in Game of Thrones. (laughs) There's no no Nazi youth in Game of Thrones. So, I mean... There's there's a lot of really, really dark things that I think that they could use to kind of, you know, make this something of its own. But in the mm-hmm. same time, there are very, like, amazing, uplifting, like, beautiful moments. So, like, it's mm-hmm. not all dark. And there's Mm-mm. some characters that are, like, absolutely hilarious. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got, like, a good mix of, like, really comical, funny characters, and then you've got, like, these evil, terrible, scary, you know, characters as well. So, I mean, and on top of that, like, aren't the sea folk, like, basically half naked all the time? (laughs) There will be plenty. The Aiels sit around naked all the time. Right. And how many baths are... Constantly. How many baths does Elaine take? I mean... (laughs) Like, if we get an Elaine, like, bathtub scene... And I mean, if Elaine or if Avienda walks in on her, she's just going to take all of her clothes off. So, yes. you know, it's fine. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. And how many sweat tent scenes are there going to be? I know. I know. Exactly. Like, there's plenty of nudity. Yeah. And I mean, truthfully, for me, like. And that's what I love I guess, that it's not like sex scenes. It's just like, yeah, we're chilling naked. So we're what? Just naked. <laughs> like, why? I don't understand why you're running away from me in our giant bathtub where everyone is naked. Like. <laughs> Could you wash my back even, for me, please? Even more rain is naked in the sweat tent. Okay. Right? Or topless, at least. I don't remember There's, if it's completely naked. No, she's naked. naked. Okay. She do, you don't go yeah. in the sweat tents without being naked. Yes. Like, Who would so, you I most mean, want to see naked in the sweat tent? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> I don't know. I think I have a thing for book Logan. Yeah. Fair. But I mean, as far as like this goes for like, I personally can live without the like the sex stuff. Like some of it just felt like a little unnecessary. Like it was there and it was cool and it like showed like the world of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine. But like, I don't. So and they used thing, it. They used it too, though, in Game of Thrones as like an info dump, where like they had. Um, Viserys like having sex with some prostitutes as he was talking about Targaryen history so it was like it was like okay we're gonna show sex but at the same time we're gonna like use it as like back like back information so like like, it's you know it's 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 a thing you know you can do it it's not like good or bad but at the same time like it wasn't necessary but that's what they were I think like that's what they were like placing their bets on like if we can show some naked people like we'll get like the people that aren't nerds and I you know what though so one of the things that I thought about in this instance particularly is like I'm a major history geek which means that if it's like a period something I'm gonna watch it and like (laughs) the tutors like the tutors show is so bad and so good at the same time But one of the things that happened when they made it is, like, the first season, they had a lot of, like, sex and nudity that didn't need to be in the show at all. Mm -hmm. And enough people were like, you do realize, like, 
it kind of wasn't like that. Like, you, I mean, sure, that was going on in some cases, but you didn't need to show it. And they actually changed the show to take out what felt like gratuitous okay. sex scenes. Okay. And then the show got so much better because you weren't distracted mm-hmm. by, like, weird sex shit happening while there's plot development. Like, Yeah, and I think what's awesome about The Wheel of Time is that, like, there is, like, sexual things that happen that is super important to plot development. Like, this is a no-spoilers episode, but there is a part in the Wheel of Time where someone is having sex, and it is very, 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 very important because it shows... Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know... So I think think what... I think what Wheel of Time has that Game of Thrones doesn't have is... (laughs) This is so dumb. It has all the things. And it has it really well balanced. Like, that's one of the things that I really like about it, is that even though some things feel like they should be so uneven, they are kind of on the same footing. Mm -hmm. And there's still an opportunity for people to get to a certain place by being human beings, Mm -hmm. by being fallible. Mm -hmm. Like, there is plot development. There is character development. It, It has an end. Like, yeah. that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> They're not just winging it. Yeah. Like, it has a very solid direction. Yeah. And it does have humor. It does have horror. It does have sex. It definitely has violence. Like, yeah. There is no shortage of violence yeah. and bloodshed in this particular. Think and how I mean, much damage, like, the Trollocs do or the Merjol do. And, I mean, there's so many, like, battle scenes and oh yeah brutal, that's what I was gonna brutal say. battle scenes which is telling, what I'm the most excited for <laughs> me too like so my husband just finished Eye of the World and my older son who just turned 20 started the Eye of the World this week and I am like beyond excited that this is now a family thing. <laughs> it's happening it's, it's happening, happening. <laughs> it's like I'm like I shake with excitement and at the same time I have to sit and just like be like hmm like I want to tell you things and I can't tell you things um but I was telling Aiden because he and I watched Game of Thrones together mm-hmm. and we both really liked it and we both were really disappointed as I'm sure at a the lot ending of people are at the ending and Oof. I think I think Game of Thrones was a learning show like there haven't I been s- very many fantasy shows mm-hmm. that come through the way that Game of Thrones did. True. And so true. I think there are so many things that can be learned from that and then applied to a Wheel of Time adaptation. Because yeah. that's the other thing that I think is important to remember is that it is not going to be word for word from the book. It's an adaptation. Yeah. And I think they're going to do their very best to be as true to the series as possible. But I just don't But at think the same time, means- they have to make it understandable for tv exactly and i think i really think that the way that they're doing it is really smart like it may not necessarily be playing into the ideal that maybe fans excuse me bless you time no kidding (laughs) um what was i trying to say something about the fans oh so like hardcore wheel of time fans like, we've talked about this, have, mm-hmm. like, an idea of what certain things look like. Right. But we also want this to be successful. So people who create television and do it successfully are handling making this be something that will 
appeal to the fans of the book, but also appeal to people who are coming from the Mm -hmm. Game of Thrones world in the millions. Like, that's just it. Like, oh, so back to Do My Well, Do My Well. I keep forgetting that I want to talk about that because I just finished Lord of Chaos and I read that. Like, oh, hell. I sat outside and just chain smoked and was like. (laughs) That's what I did after I read it. It was probably like two or three in the morning and I just came upstairs and opened my little window and sat by the window and was like, (laughs) wow. (laughs) Yep. Like it was this perfect, like I'm. it's almost fall night and I was bundled in my scarf and had like a hot mug of decaf because it was definitely past midnight and like Aiden even came outside and was like trying to talk to me and I was like no you can't talk to me right now need a moment as well time (laughs) yeah and he was so then later on when we were like talking about it because he read the first chapter and we're like talking about the prologue and everything and um I was like I just finished you might as well and it puts battle of the bastards to shame like to oh yeah. Me, oh yeah. I that like some of the battle scenes for Game of Thrones were just so good, but like I honestly had never seen anything filmed and so intense as mm-hmm. Battle of the Bastards. It was so good. But I, then see, I, the thing the thing that I think is cool is like with Game of Thrones, they didn't actually even show some of the most interesting battles in the books. They kind of like mm-hmm. had to skip over them. And then the Battle of the Bastards wasn't even a part of the books at all. Mm-hmm. Or if it is, it hasn't happened yet. So, like, we were just, <laughs> you know, like, we're doing this. We're still waiting for it. But it was it was so – what made it so interesting is it was so brutal. And then you have, like, podcasters like Joe Rogan who have, like, millions of listeners, like, talking about it the next day. And mm-hmm. people are, like, hyped. Like, holy yep. shit, did you watch that? Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, like everyday people that really don't get into fantasy stuff. Yeah. But I don't know. I think Wheel of Time has a lot of potential. I don't want to get my hopes up too high. But yeah. I just all, – all I want is it to be something that I enjoy. I'm not looking for yep. it to be the next Game of Thrones. I want it to be its own thing. I want it to be the next Game of Thrones only better <laughs> because I'm competitive. <laughs> And I honestly, I mean, I started reading the series when I was 14, and it's something that I still love. And so for me... Look how dark it is here. (laughs) (laughs) When I turn off my light, sorry. (laughs) What time is it? Nine o'clock. Oh my god, it's almost... (laughs) 21 hour. Hour 21. That's so funny. I'm going to make a steak after this. (laughs) (laughs) I've drank drank half a bottle of mead and... um, Nice. I haven't eaten since about, I don't know, it's been a while. I'm going to eat some cake. There's some leftover birthday cake and it was fucking good. I had my honey cake this weekend. Oh my God, it was so good. Someone messaged me on Instagram and they were like, you inspired me to make a honey cake. And I'm like, (laughs) what? Because that's really labor intensive. There's like so many layers and they're like paper thin. Mm. And she was like, oh, and I'm vegan. And I'm like, how in the hell are you doing that without dairy or honey? 
Mm-hmm. And she was like, um, what did she say? Maple syrup. And I'm like, mm. that would be very like festive and fall. Like, yeah, I can get behind it. It sounds good. Huh. Hmm. Should we do our outro? Are we done for the day? <laughs> Should we do two outros because we have to cut it up, chop and screwed? <laughs> um, yeah, probably. Let's see here. Oh, our recording is three hours long. I know. <laughs> I know. I just looked at it. That's ridiculous. And I think that's where we're going to call it a day and wrap things up. Thanks so much for joining us on this stretch of the road to Tarvalin. We love making the show every week and always look forward to hearing from our listeners. Thank you everyone for showing your support. We launch shows every Wednesday and hope you'll continue to join us. Next week, we will return with our new spring recap and we will be doing four chapters instead of the two. We also had a nice little chat around the passing of Robert Jordan and we were lucky enough to get a little snippet of a video clip from our new friend Lauren at Unraveling the Pattern. He makes some really great videos and you should definitely check out his YouTube channel and subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you so much, Lauren. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us, send us things we may have missed to our email, road2tarvalin at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Road2Tarvalin, which is Amber's account. You can find me at my new name at Mistress Laris or Laris Mistress of Kitchens. There's a story there, but we'll get into that another time. We are on Instagram, Road2Tarvalin. We'd love it if you would subscribe to us on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcast, or anywhere else you listen. You can find more information on our webpage, anchor.fm backslash Road2Tarvalin. And if you have the Anchor app, you can leave us a voice message that we can use in upcoming episodes. Just let us know in the message if that's something you're comfortable with or not. And you can always reach us on social media and send us messages that we can just read off for you uh, if you do not feel super comfortable leaving voice messages. So until next week, thanks for joining us. Safe travels and and walk walk in the light. light.